everybody, welcome back to the Parkinson's Association of San Diego Microcast Series. I'm your host, Jeff Seckendorf, here with a very cool guest today, Sean McMiniman from Abbott Pharmaceuticals. Hey, Sean. Jeff, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great that you're here. So Sean's with Abbott and works as a rep in the DBS world. So can you give us like a, because, you know, it's a 10-minute podcast, so you can't have the whole thing to talk about yourself? which I know would be fun because I'd like to do that too. But <laughs> <laughs> so who are you and and what do you do over there? Thank you, Jeff. And thanks for everybody listening in. So, you know, as Jeff said, my name is Sean McMenamin with Abbott DBS and our brain therapies division. Um, you know, I've been with Abbott for going on about a year and a half, but I'm no stranger to neuromodulation being the greater field of, um, you know, DBS and, you know, stimulation. I've worked in that field for over 10 years. So with that being said, DBS is something that I've always taken a keen interest in just because of the patient population that we're trying to serve here and trying to help. It's something that's very gratifying. So been with Abbott for DBS and, you know, really just out there trying to educate and working with people like yourself, Jeff, to really make people aware of Parkinson's, what the symptoms, how DBS helps with those. Um, essential tremor, it also works great with. So really just, you know, trying to increase the awareness of DBS and how it can benefit patients that maybe haven't heard of it yet. So you use the term neuromodulation mm -hmm. and we never hear that word. We only hear DBS, deep brain stimulation. So it, is, is neuromodulation DBS or vice versa or what's the, what's the terminology? So neuromodulation can be kind of the greater umbrella of stimulation of this sort. So the other one being spinal cord stimulation. So neuromodulation is kind of the greater field of how you modulate these different nerve pathways to change them or manipulate them to benefit the patient. And in Parkinson's, we don't hear much about spinal stimulation. What patient is that for generally? That is going to be a chronic pain patient in most instances. I think there are some new indications that I left that, you know, 10 years back, but predominantly your chronic pain patients. And that is something that implanted in the epidural space or you know, against the spinal cord. It's like DBS, but in a different place. Same battery, very similar leads, and all three of the same companies that are in the DBS space also work in the spinal cord stimulation space. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. So let's go back to DBS for a minute. So I guess in a broad sense, if somebody was considering DBS, and we can't talk in any way specifically, but what are some of the benefits that patients see on DBS? Really, the simplest way that, you know, I think to look at this is, you know, your symptoms that are responsive to carbidopa, levodopa, DBS should be good at addressing. So in a general sense, that's the easiest way of looking at it is if you're, you know, if this symptom responds to carbidopa, levodopa, it should respond with DBS. And they do testing for that sense. So they want to make sure that, you know, carbidopa, levodopa works for you then you're essentially a DBS patient at some point or a DBS candidate at some point down the road. And DBS works on symptoms the same way the medication works on symptoms. It doesn't slow the disease or the progression of, of Parkinson's, right? Correct. The disease is still underlying, right? We're treating the symptoms, like you said, very similar to how the medications treat them. But what we're trying to do is help those patients regain more of the on time that at some point they've lost because the medications have either, you know, the 
they've lost some of the efficacy. It's kind of one way of thinking about it. And the DBS supplements that to a certain extent. So traditionally, patients with DBS can reduce medication, but not in every case, right? Correct. All right. So then let's talk about Abbott specifically, because you have one thing that's, at least in today's world, a little bit unique from the other companies that produce DBS stuff, which is Medtronic and Boston Scientific. So you've got this remote programming system, which is kind of interesting to me. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's actually, it's, it's a really an interesting story how the remote programming or what we refer to as virtual clinic came about. So pre-COVID, our engineers had started working on this virtual clinic idea, which is remote programming. So where the patient doesn't have to go see their movement disorder, sit in traffic, park the car, pay for parking, go up, you know, four flights of um, stairs or up the elevator, wait in the lobby, you know, eliminate a lot of that and try to make it easier for that patient to get access to their provider. And so pre-COVID, we'd started working on this technology. And then of course, when COVID hit and the entire world shut down, that timeline accelerated. And so we'd already started it, but within one year of really everything shutting down, we had released virtual clinic. And the neat part to that is not only do patients have virtual clinic now, but every patient that had an Abbott DBS system prior to virtual clinic being released, so prior to COVID, we had the ability to update their battery, the IPG that basically is the brains of the system. We had the ability to update that software so every Abbott patient had access to virtual clinic. And that is another benefit of the Abbott system is that, you know, whenever we do have innovations of this sort, we actually can download that to the battery. So it's not like it's a closed system. So that doesn't mean cut open someone's chest and put a new battery in. That means just software, firmware, something. Yeah, we have a true Bluetooth connection. And through that Bluetooth connection, we actually can connect with Wi-Fi through the patient's programmer, which is an iPhone. So using those two you know, units, we're able to download any sort of updates. And we've had, you know, about once a year, there's a significant update to that software. So that patient that gets a DBS system today, their technology is no longer outdated in three, four years when new technology comes out. They get that pushed to them automatically. So this is this is the DBS programming version of telemedicine, basically, right? The virtual clinic is correct. Virtual clinic. Okay. So Let's hear now from nurse practitioner Sherry Gould for just a minute, and she's going to give us some of her experiences using uh, this system and and some of the benefits that she's seen as a clinician um, in remote programming or what you're referring to as virtual clinic, right? All right. So we're here now with one of San Diego's favorite nurse practitioners, Sherry Gould of Scripps Clinic. Hey, Sherry. Good morning. How are you, Jeff? I'm great. So we're talking to Sean about DBS, lots of things DBS, but particularly about remote programming and what Abbott is calling virtual clinic. And you've had some experience with this, right? Yes, I've had quite a bit of experience with Abbott and remote programming, which is pretty phenomenal, actually, and really makes this particular DBS um, company stand up over the others in terms of this privilege of actually being able to program one of my patients literally from my telemedicine room at home to the comfort of their own home, no matter where they live in the state of California. So it really allows for huge flexibility um, at many levels, whether they live in San Diego and want to avoid traffic and parking and 
being nervous all night because they know they need to get up and get to the clinic to get their DBS program. This really allows for incredible flexibility. I also would like to um, make a mention that there are tens of thousands of people with Parkinson's, essential tremor, dystonia that would benefit greatly from deep brain stimulation procedure, but are unable to get it. And frankly, because it's too far away, if San Diego's too far away or another DBS center is inaccessible. So uh, this really does allow for a number of people to receive this phenomenal technology to really do the programming, the DBS programming that's so necessary every couple of weeks after the surgery uh, from the comfort of their home without the travel. Have you seen a downside to this? So one has to be technologically somewhat savvy. Uh, One has to understand how to use the iPad. And once we have connected myself as a clinician and DBS programmer and the patient from their home need to understand the technology. Certainly. I think if there's any downside, it's really uh, having patients be able to understand that or have someone in the home that understands how to connect the two iPads together so that this virtual clinic can actually happen. Do the upsides outweigh the downsides? Oh, certainly. I mean, it would be my dream that uh, this experience and this exposure of Abbott technology and remote programming go to every last corner of our country, if not the world. Because again, I can't emphasize enough that there are just such a small fraction of people that have, again, Parkinson's disease, essential tremor or dystonia that ever receive it or ever even learn that they can. Um, And so the exposure of that education to people around our country um, and the possibility that so many more people could get the benefit from deep brain stimulation surgery is phenomenal. We find that in smaller towns or in even larger towns, Sacramento may be a great example of that, where I think they've just lost their DBS surgeon Um, There's very little talk um, in the neurology office about this possibility existing. There's this amazing new technology that I think really would help with your tremor and your slowness and your rigidity, Um, but you'll need to go to San Diego and then you need to go back to San Diego every couple of weeks. So we're talking huge finances and inconvenience and time off work or any of those possibilities. So The biggest problem I see is a gap of and lack of education, both at the patient level all around the state of California, um, as well as physicians and referring providers that this type of technology exists and that patients um, can get this procedure and simply go back to where they live and with the practicing group that they've been comfortable with since their diagnosis. All right. So thanks, Sherry Gould, for weighing in on this. And we always appreciate you being on the podcast. And uh, now we'll get back to our talk with Sean. All right. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. It's phenomenal technology. I I can't stress that enough. And um, to all of you out there that are listening to this podcast, please don't hesitate to ask whoever is taking care of you um, about deep brain stimulation and about this remote uh, technology that Abbott offers. Thank you. All right. So 
back with Sean. So this is a really interesting part of it. I assume that all three companies are working on their own, you know, upgrades and cool things and stuff coming up. But, you know, I know you can't talk specifically about what Abbott's working on for the future, but what's, you've been in this space long enough. What's your vision of what's coming forward toward us in DPS and neuromodulation? What do you think is going to be next a year, two years, five years out? Can you just put on your projection hat and what, what do you think? It is a great question because the innovation within the DBS space is happening so quickly. And so I alluded to, and we spoke about the upgradability of patients' Abbott systems. So as we release new technology, which we will have some in the near future, in the longer term future, patients that currently have a DBS with Abbott will get this new technology. Now, what that looks like can go a lot of different directions. And rechargeability is one direction that Abbott is looking to go. It's only a matter of time before I think all companies offer that. And that's a double-edged sword because now you have to think about recharging your device every single week for an hour plus. Sounds great short term, but when you look three, four, five years out as the disease progresses, that becomes much more challenging. So that's something that you know, I do believe it's kind of on the distant horizon because as Abbott, we kind of look what it, what is going to improve the patient's quality of life and recharging it doesn't really seem to fit that model at this point um, with the current state of rechargeable batteries. But looking a little further out is everybody's tending to go to wearables. And we currently have some research going on to integrate wearable technology into some of our studies. So with that being said, there's a potential, and as you said, you're not gonna hold me accountable to this, to potentially have some of that technology integrated to future iterations of these software updates to the Abbott DBS uh, platform. So that is kind of my crystal ball vision in the next you know, 12 to 24, 36 months. Well, it's interesting. So I guess um, we'll give you a call in five years and, <laughs> and see if you're right. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully sooner. Hopefully sooner than that, Jeff. <laughs> um, all right, Sean. Thanks so much, Sean McMinnon from Abbott, for just some insights on um, DBS and the remote programming and virtual clinic and all that other stuff. And uh, yeah, we look forward to talking to you, yeah, for sure sooner than five years. Beautiful. I appreciate it, Jeff. Anytime. Thank you so much. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find these podcasts wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, all that stuff. And if you're inclined, leave us a rating and review, and we will see you all on the next one. Thanks, everybody.